so as we've been going through the story this year, um, if you're new, we've been learning the entire Bible, front to the back. We're in the New Testament now. And what I think has been happening is you've been seeing these moments in history, like Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, David beating Goliath, the birth of the Savior, um, where you connect. You're like, I remember that. That's part of my story um, that has meaning to me. And certainly as a church, as New Testament people, we remember um, those moments like the coming of the Savior. We're about to celebrate it at Christmas, right? That is so important that every year we tell each other that story. Same thing with Easter, right? It, it's such a marvelous event that every year we tell ourselves the story so we can remember this is mine. Belongs to me, right? This is my story. So we get to this day, um, which is the birthday of the church. This is a similarly beautiful day for all of us. Because everything changes this day in the best way possible. And so what I'd like for us to do is understand and appreciate what's going on this day as much as we know what's happening on Easter and Christmas. Because this is the birthday of the church. So how I want us to do that is I want us to go back to stand with the disciples. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's with them again. And now he's saying he's going to leave. And did you, did you notice in the scripture they're saying, and are you going to finish it before you go? You need to finish this before you go, right? Because we can't do it. So I want us to go back there and stand, have a little journey with me, and imagine that you could hear what they're saying. As they're watching Jesus leave, imagine. I think it would sound something like this. Watching Jesus leave, I, it feels like hope has drained out of me. I feel so empty. Me and the rest of the disciples, you may not know us very well, but we don't have the best track record. When Jesus is around, we can do all these amazing things, but when he leaves, we can't even heal a child, and we forget what he taught us. We ended up hiding while he was dying. It's only him. It's only him coming back that gave us the courage to come out of hiding. I don't know what we're going to do without him. I don't know what will happen to the kingdom of God without him. Now, if we think about what it would feel like to be a disciple, and to, to hear Jesus Christ saying, now all that I have done is in your hands. Imagine Jesus saying that to you, to me. And we'd all be saying, we can't do it. Now, what Jesus says is, while he's leaving, the last words, last words are important, right? The last words that he says are, I know you're afraid. But the power of God through the Holy Spirit is coming to you, and it will change you. It will transform you. You will be able to do it, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And these guys are going, I can't even do Jerusalem. You know, I can't even contemplate Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I can't even think of Jerusalem. 
but Jesus has promised that they're not going to be alone. So I imagine that in the days to come, and there were 10 until the Holy Spirit came, they're talking. Here's what I think they would have been talking about. They would have been talking about which one of them was going to receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because have you ever noticed in the Old Testament that only one believer in every generation received the Spirit? Moses, right? Who was a murderer, who was an outcast and a shepherd. The, the fire comes on the bush. God speaks to him. And Moses is saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't, right? And God is saying, yes, you can because I'm going to be with you. And so Moses, when he has the courage to take that step of faith, he confronts Pharaoh. The people are set free. The Red Sea is torn apart. And in, in his hands are the Ten Commandments. And he's the way that the people relate to him and relate to God because he is the one man in that generation who has the Holy Spirit. David. Another great. And I can go on and on. But David, there's this entire army quaking, right? They're terrified of these Philistines and Goliath, their champion, who's a giant. And this little teenager, filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed to be king, says, that giant is defying God. And I will go. Face it. And win. And he does. And they all follow him, right? Because there is the one, the teenager in our generation that God has put the Spirit into, and we're following that person. So I'm sure that as the disciples are talking, they're like, okay, you know, is it, is it Peter? You know, because he's got kind of an iffy past, but Jesus did call him the rock. Is it John? You know, because John is the one that's going to survive all this that Jesus has said. Is it, you know, Matthias, the new guy? Like, who is it? Which one of us is going to have the power of Moses or the power of David or Elijah? I mean, Ezekiel in the dry bones, right? To bring life through the power of the Spirit where there was only death. Which one of us? Because that's the way it's always been. Until this amazing birthday of the church when everything changes. Now, the day is called Pentecost. How many of y'all know what Pentecost means? Sounds, yeah, way to go. Yeah, seminary training helps, right? It does, yes. It means 50th. That's not scary, right? 50th. It's the 50th day after Passover. It's the day when you celebrated, if you were a good, faithful follower of God, the festival of weeks. If you were Jewish, you said weeks. If you were Greek, you said Pentecost. And that was just the celebration after the grain harvest came in, that you brought your tithes to God. You said, God, you're so good for giving me this harvest, and I commit myself to you. And every faithful follower throughout the world who was Jewish had to come back to Jerusalem for Pentecost to do this, to rededicate their lives to God, to celebrate the goodness. So here are all of these believers, all of these people who know the story in Jerusalem at this one time, and then the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit falls not on one person, not on the strongest and the best or the most faithful. The Spirit falls on everyone. It comes like wind, right? Just like in the days of Ezekiel when the dry bones rattled and came to life, the Spirit is among the people like a blowing wind. Just like Moses with the burning bush, there's fire. 
that doesn't burn you up, that transforms you inside. And just like I told the kids, this isn't like, well, just the 12, right, because they're really the most holy of us. This is, there were only 120 of them, and every single one of them, every single one of them, the men and the women, the old and the young, the disciples and the followers, no matter their background, all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. The first thing that happens is that they find courage that they've never had before. These are the people who hide, right? And suddenly they throw open the doors, the Spirit has changed them within, and they start talking about God. They're not beating people on the head with the Bible, okay? The Spirit doesn't usually give us the power to do that. The Spirit gives us the power to tell good news, right? Good news, faithful followers of God. The promises are fulfilled in our generation, they're saying. Good news. Now, here's the other cool thing. That day, the way the Spirit worked is the Spirit moved in them, transformed them, and then crossed barriers. And the barrier that was broken down and set aside that day was the barrier of language. So all of these Jewish people from all over the world hear someone, one believer out of 120, speaking their heart language. It wasn't nonsense. It was Portuguese and Spanish and Russian and Italian, right? It was all that they didn't have all of those back then, but it was languages that they knew that these Galileans, suddenly God has given them the power to speak to you in your language and tell you some good news. That, are you all following me? Makes sense, right? Speak the language of the people's heart and tell them the good news. And it's this amazing testimony that the power of God is not stopped by barriers that we put up. And we're going to see that in the days to come in the story. All these barriers are broken down. You know, it's no longer, well, you have to be Jewish. It's you could be anyone if you believe. Birthday of the church. Still today, this needs to be our story our story, you or me, because this wasn't just for this generation, this is for all generations of followers. And sometimes I hear people saying, well, you have to be a believer for so long to receive the Holy Spirit, or you have to pray a certain prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, in this part of the story of Acts, people say, I believe in Jesus. They're baptized, and the Holy Spirit fills them. When I baptize you, your children, whoever it is up here, right when I do that, I say, Holy Spirit, come work in their lives. That being born through water in the Spirit, they can live as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, right? I pray that for you. Immediately, immediately the Spirit is yours, right now. Right now, yours. The Spirit that moved in Moses, in you, the spirit that moved in David, in you, the spirit that called those bones back to life in us to renew what was dead and bring it back to life again, to send us out to change the world, that's what we're about. And when we say at Bee Creek we're people transformed, imperfect, transformed by the perfect love of God, we're talking about the Holy Spirit changing us. When we say that we take each other's hands and we change the world, we're talking about the Holy Spirit giving us the courage and the power to do things that scare us to death, 
but we're going. Now, how does the Spirit work today? Um, sometimes I wish, like, you know how Samson was filled with the Spirit, and he, like, like push pillars over? I would love to see that, right? Um, but even more powerful today is the way I see the pillars of sin collapsing in people's lives, right? Pushed over by the power of the Spirit. The way I see you saying, there was this sin in my life, this temptation, the way I feel it, that we could never beat on our own, and then we pray and we seek other people and we're in worship, and suddenly we are victorious. That's the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is within you when you come here, and there's so many of you who say, I just cry when I come here. And I say, that's the Holy Spirit telling you that you're loved, that it's going to be okay, that life can be different. And when we feel that inside of us, we cry. That's the Holy Spirit telling you you're forgiven. The Holy Spirit um, not only changes us in here, calls us to be courageous. Um, did y'all know that we have 110 um, giving commitments? That's courage. And many of y'all have been telling me, I want to start working towards tithing. That's courage. But Elizabeth told me that we have 31 people, 31, who for the first time ever have said, I will give to God some of what I have in my money. 31. One just came up to me today and, and was crying and said, this is the first time in all my years of church I have ever given money. And I'm scared to death, but I want to do it. She got to be number 110. That's the Spirit. Um, the Spirit calls us to be courageous. The Spirit is, is that nudge inside of you when you think, I need to talk to my friend and tell him that hope is not gone. I need to talk to my family. I need to forgive my sister. That's the Spirit moving in you. And the Spirit calls us not just to be changed in here, but to change this world around us um, in amazing ways, but ways that are within your power. Um, there's a family in our church that just experienced a loss, and they showed me 35 handwritten note cards that you guys sent them. And friends, there is no word that I can say to make it better. But the fact that you guys are feeling that nudge of the Holy Spirit and writing them and saying, you are not alone. We love you and we will not leave your side. That's what changes the world. Um, the 30 people that went to Habitat to build a home for a family that's been crammed into an apartment that said, we will do that. That's what changes the world. Um, Jeannie and David, who, with the youth group, took a meal to the students at the UT Wesley Foundation to say, we support you. You're following God as college students, and we want you to know there's believers who are behind you. We've got your back. That's what changes the world. Even when you do something like, many of y'all have been on a walk to Emmaus, and the scariest thing is like, 
getting in the car to go. And I get so many panicked phone calls from people who are like, oh my gosh, can I just cancel? And I'm like, take a deep breath. God wants to meet you on that weekend and go. And they go and it changes their lives. But they have to have that courage to take that step and do it. Right? So, we already are feeling the Spirit, but let's not stop here. Let's invite the Spirit in more. Let's be more attuned to the Spirit because this is the power of God in my life and yours. How do we do it? Um, I'm always finding that I wish the Spirit would send me like text messages. <laughs> Laura, <laughs> here is what I need you to do today, right? This, this, this. And if you hit those, then you've done the Spirit's will today. Um, I'll tell you something better that happens is when you are open, instead of getting a text message on your phone, you'll feel it right here. A nudge in your heart. Um, and the ways to be open to that are to be in worship, are to read your Bible, um, are to have friends who believe, to listen to music where the Spirit speaks, right? All of these ways. In the Bible, the Spirit speaks through dreams, awake and asleep. The Spirit speaks through the Scripture. The Spirit speaks through other people. When something comes up and again and again, have you all ever noticed that? Every time you turn around, there's this theme that's going on. Listen to that, y'all. That's the Spirit. You ignore it at your peril. Jose was telling me he ignored the Spirit at his peril. It doesn't work out well, right? Um, it, it, God's going to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. Just make sure the barriers are down that you want to listen. Um, the best way that I see people doing this in our story and in this congregation should just be people of prayer. Ten minutes a day if you're starting. Just begin your day with ten minutes saying to God, here's what's on my heart. What do you have planned for me today? And God may not spell it out all right then, but then through the day you're going to find that openness that when you do feel that nudge inside your heart or something's going on in your head, you're like, okay, I have the courage to follow that, to answer that call. This is so important. We don't want to miss this gift because our generation needs heroes generations past had Moses, they had David, they had the 12 apostles. Our generation, for good or bad, they have us, right? They've got you and me. We are the people that God is calling into this generation. And y'all, if you think we're any different than those 12 disciples or than Moses, scared and shaking, you know, looking at this bush, we're not. They were imperfect, we are imperfect. And God wants to work in us to transform our lives and change the world. Invite the Spirit in. Be transformed. And make a difference. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are most welcome here. Um, you Please find your home among us. God, you used to dwell in a temple made of stone, and now we know that you want to dwell in our hearts. And so please 
Help us to remove the barriers. Help us to find the ways that we hear you best. Help us to be tuned in. And help us, Lord, to believe, even when it's hard, that we could be the heroes of this generation. And to take your hand and to do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.